0: mindfulness when we practice our yoga, when we create the wholeness. Just like it says at the top of your sheet on page one, you're literally catching your breath. Sometimes is the only break you get during your day. And when our monkey mind gets the best of us, and when our lives are super busy, mindfulness practices like meditation are the best way to ground down, and like some of you said, tune in, uh, find your superpower, uh, escape, uh, find um, self-acceptance and loving kindness, find a way to have ease. There's so many incredible benefits of the practice of yoga and mindfulness and meditation. There are 144 minutes in each day, and each moment is a gift. But I think because practicing ahimsa the first principle, the first precept of our practice, sometimes it's very hard to really do. And um, when our monkey mind gets the best of us, we don't really um, find any grounding spiritually, physically, and emotionally. So our meditation practice, which I like to call putting your tush to the cush, is a really, really important part, especially as a yoga teacher to have as a part of your discipline and your practice and your lifestyle because it really allows you to be whole. Um, And for those of you who uh, aren't um, practicing at this point, it's a really big part of the eight limb path. You came to the mat as teachers, right? Because you want to be able to study and share the wisdom practice of yoga with everyone you come in contact with. So you came to the mat as a student and found something that felt really good, right? And that's why you want to be this teacher to share the wisdom and to share the lineage and the history and the philosophy, not just the physical postures. So the eight limb path of yoga goes from the gross, the external stuff, into the internal practice, the, physical, the mindfulness practice. So we have the four limbs that are kind of like the yamas, the niyamas, the asana, the pranayama, but then we go into the full-fledged superpowers of the practice where you start doing the pratyahara, the dharana, the dhyana, and the samadhi, where you're really grounding down into the single-pointed focus of mindfulness where you transcend all space and time. And I think a lot of people forget that yoga isn't about the physical movements. It's about the breath, it's about diving deep, and it's about opening up the lines of communication so that we can find and attain liberation. So we can get rid of pain and suffering, so we can get rid of the, um, the stuff that are obstacles in our life, so that we can open up to harmony and ease. Doesn't that make you just want to smile? Be like, oh my gosh, I should be meditating all day long, right? A lot of times um, people um, think that there's like myths to the practice like, oh, I need to have a robe to meditate or oh, I need to be in a specific place to meditate or um, I need to sit in lotus, but I have really bad knees, so I can't sit in a chair, so I can't meditate, right? But truly, it's not about sitting still, because there's things like walking meditation that we'll discuss today. It's not about wearing a certain outfit. It's not even about the fact that, like, my mind is so busy, I can't clear my mind, so I can't meditate, period. That's it, you know, and you just kind of throw in the towel. But your mind is always thinking, how can you calm the waves of your thoughts? How can you calm the kind of high highs and low lows and begin to find center through your mindfulness practice? That's the ultimate goal, is to anchor yourself in your truth and just be present with your breath with no judgment. That sounds good, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you learn when you're doing your physical practice, when you're doing your asanas. You're sitting on the platform of the breath and you're allowing yourself to focus on harmonizing through movement. So what your meditation practice starts to move into is it takes you away from your moving meditation and it guides you into just a more of a seated, comfortable position where all you're doing is allowing your breath work to keep you stable, confident, harmonious, blissful, where you're not letting the thoughts, the, what yogis like to call the, the um, chitta vrittis, the kind of turnings, the ruminating, what you, you know, work with people on in your um, life and your career, um, how to not let some of the negativity and the things that weigh us down bring us down, but to watch your thoughts and not become your thoughts. That's a huge part of your meditation practice. And that's kind of like your superpower or your baseline emotion that you get when you practice. One of the benefits is peace, contentment, a sense of you're grounded, Your are um, able to take a purposeful pause and, like you said, tune in, but you're literally flipping the channels and really giving yourself ease. So the sheets that I handed out are kind of interesting because um, um, as I'm going to teach you today to kind of catch your breath more often than not and really find freedom, uh, there's so many different ways to practice meditation. And the class today is all about exploring different traditions and different styles. So I gave you a lot of sheets on styles, teachers, websites to check out, even apps to check out, because I wanted to give you a veritable plethora of things versus just saying, like, this is the one way of doing it, and you have to do it this way. Because I really want you, as yoga teachers, to explore and to open your minds so that you can find what resonates best with you. Sound good? Hmm? Because there's many different styles, there's many different students, and there's gonna be all kinds of different people that walk in and out of your classes. And you're gonna have a certain style that's gonna resonate with some people, but there's other people who are gonna be like, oh, this isn't for me. And that's the same thing with meditation. There's so many different styles, and because everybody is having a different experience on their journey of life, some styles might not resonate with you. And some will be like, totally like, oh my God, I love this. And I totally want to do this for the rest of my life and keep this as a habit, a positive habit. Sound good? So I put on the front of your papers a definition of uh, meditation. Uh, Meditation is defined in the dictionary as the action or practicing of meditating. Uh, A discourse intended to express um, or guide others in contemplation. Where your thoughts on one subject, a single pointed focus. But to me, meditation is huger than that. So I gave you a definition of mindfulness. And mindfulness is the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something, their mindfulness of the wider cinematic tradition. Or a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensation. And it's used as a therapeutic technique. Right? So... Our yoga practice is a sensory integration practice, balancing the hemispheres of our brain. Same thing with mindfulness practices. You're balancing the central nervous system, you're balancing your mind, so that you can find ease and simplicity and space. There's lots of different meditation traditions and styles that you can practice and uh, there's continuing on that same page there is insight meditation there's a a buddhist meditation vipassana meditation center in town called tergar which is a style there is a shambhala um, which is a form of buddhist meditation with tibetan lineage there is buddhism which is non-theistic Its religion comes in a dozen of styles, and um, Zen and Tibetan are part of that. But it's always at its root about learning to be good, sane, peaceful, compassionate. There's something called mindfulness or vipassana, and sometimes you hear of people going on like meditation retreats, where they might do a three-day silent meditation retreat or a ten-day silent meditation retreat. That's a very interesting path to go on. If you're, um, You can always Google something like that, but it's really fascinating to be with your thoughts for that long, eat silently. Uh, you be with a bunch of people, but all you do is sit, do seated meditation practices and walking meditation practices, and it's just silent. It's fascinating. There's also Zazen, or the Zen practice of meditation, which when you translate Zazen, it just literally means seated meditation. This involves focusing the mind on one thing. And the aim of Zazen is just literally sitting, suspending all judgment, letting go of words, ideas, images, and thoughts that pass without getting involved in them. What's interesting about zazen, it's a little bit more militant than maybe of a passana style. And sometimes they have a zazen stick, so if you fall asleep, they might hit you with it. (laughs) Which is kind of interesting, the teacher, the monk, goes around and does that. Um, One of the first ways that they teach you zazen is to sit, so you're facing a wall and you sit in your lotus position, or you sit in hero's pose with a block, that's why I have, you all have a block. We're gonna try different seated positions. But they, um, if you fall asleep, you're only a foot away from the wall, so if your head starts to bob or you fall asleep, you hit the wall, and that wakes you up. <laughs> I, the funny thing is I don't make this shit up. <laughs> this is true. One of them which is fascinating that kind of goes through all of the different disciplines and practices is the idea of metta or loving kindness. And metta is a Pali word that literally, and this is on page two, is translated and it means loving kindness. And as yoga teachers, a huge part of our practice is metta. That's it. We're offering loving kindness and compassion or the idea of ahimsa to others, and its goal is to cultivate a feeling of goodwill towards all living beings, starting with oneself and then expanding the circle of compassion outwards. So there's lots of metta practices and loving-kindness practices to follow, and you'll see in the next pages that follow um, different ways to link to those. Heartfulness is based in ancient yoga science of Raja Yoga. Do you all know what Raja means? King, right? Raja means regal. So the idea of Raja is there's eight different styles of yoga. Different than eight-limbed path, but there's eight different styles of yoga. And when we talk about the eight different styles, the Raja yoga, the yoga of the mind, the science of the people, then um, its uh, heartfulness is, and there's a little quote here, When we strengthen the connection between the heart and the mind with regular practice of heartfulness, we learn to maximize the efficiency of the mind and begin to feel the beauty, joy, and wonders of the heart. So in a way, yoga that we practice on the mat, our hatha yoga, is a raja yoga practice. It was called a regal practice. So heartfulness is something that you get from practicing the physical asanas the ha and the ta, the balance of the sun and the moon. Then there's mantra meditation, which originated in the Vedic tradition of India, and it involves the repetition of sound or phrases, which are called mantras. And typically, a mantra meditation allows your thoughts to drift rather freely, and then make any effort to suppress or control them. A lot of mantras, that we say come from the Upanishads. Do you know what the Upanishads are? Upanishads are ancient yogic texts. The Mahabharata is in there, uh, which tells of a great war, (coughs) and the Bhagavad Gita is part of uh, the story that's within an Upanishad or the Mahabharatas. It's it's all kind of tied together. So you all... um, have seen the Bhagavad Gita, correct? Yeah. Right? And the Bhagavad Gita is something we read as yoga teachers. So it teaches little um, aphorisms or little sayings. Um, One of them I wrote down is so hum. You inhale so and you exhale hum. I am that. Right? So we'll have a little bit of a practice of a so hum. But it's an interesting thing because it's the same thing as some people when they're learning how to practice meditation, they count their breaths. So hum gives you your focus on the word, inhale so, exhale hum. You're not saying it out loud, but you're actually just internally repeating that mantra. Now mantra, is an interesting thing because, do you know what the word Sanskrit is, or how it's defined? You're just like, oh, that's how we fucking name yoga poses in Sanskrit, right? No. Sanskrit actually means to polish, which is really interesting, because as a yoga teacher, we don't practice as we teach, right? We're polishing our bodies just by saying the Sanskrit words. So as a yoga teacher, a lot of people just start using English words, but I highly recommend you start learning Sanskrit and start studying deeper Sanskrit things like mantras because there's a power to saying it energetically along the central nervous system and your neurological pathways because the tone of it has... An effect on your systems. What is a mantra that you know of that you say in yoga? Om. Good. Stuff. Om. Shanti. Shanti. Mm-hmm. Shanti being peace, right? Or um, some people, there's songs where it's just Shanti, 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 Shanti. You know, it's like song and it's very melodic. Um, but Om, the primordial sound of the earth, right? That's how we've learned that that's what Om is. Like we're harmonizing ourselves to the hertz of the earth, which is. I know. Look at I'm asking you to be physicists and scientists. Seven point eight three. So when we om, when we chant, not only is that a Sanskrit word, but we're actually resonating our bodies to the primordial sound of the earth. So those of you who said, like, this is how I tune in, right? You have a radio station. Sometimes you just get lost in the thoughts. You get lost in like, I want to be like that person, or how come that happened to me, or oh shit, I forgot to eat, or you know, like all these different things that start to happen, or like you get angry because that person cut you off in traffic, or you know, your mind gets stuck on something that you get caught up as you pacify yourself watching TV, you know, or you get caught up in the words in a book. Instead of really focusing on something, it distracts you and it pulls you away, like a dog who sees a shiny object, you know, like a, or a cat. They get really excited and they might be totally focusing attention on you and then something all of a sudden just pulls them away. That happens to us all the time, right? So the OMING, or the mantra practice, brings you back and uh, tunes you in to the station and grounds you down in the present moment. Profound. Something that you say in yoga, maybe at the beginning of class, at the end of class. And something that I want you to think about with this um, primordial sound of the earth is not only is the Sanskrit, just to say the word Sanskrit, polishing your body and tuning you into this moment, but another name for your name, whatever your given name is, is Om, according to some ancient texts. Which means that you are divine already. That you are Om, And so whenever you lose sight of anything, you can sit in your car even when you're driving and sing Om, And someone can think you're singing to the radio station. But all you're doing is tuning yourself back into like, I'm a freaking badass. I'm a pure of heart revolutionary spirit. And yeah, I might have gotten stuck. I might have gotten pulled away. I might have gotten down that rabbit hole of ickiness. But I'm going to pull myself out into this moment and realize all the greatness that I am. Just by saying OM. Just by that mantra practice. Another thing that I want you to know about OM that's interesting is like we write it OM. Correct? Mm -hmm. But it's actually A-U-M. And each one is representative of, have you ever seen an OM drawn? A lot, of, a lot of people get tattoos. There's like the thing that looks almost like a three or an elephant's trunk, you know? That's the AH. The OO is the circle. The MM is that little crescent thing at the top. And then that little dot, it's important. It's the space that you give the to kind of hang out and linger. And that's that little bindi, that bindu, where you transcend all space and time and you take yourself to something greater so you don't get caught or bogged down in the quagmires of like your um, insecurities or the negativity or the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, but it really allows the breath to move up into something greater, to bring you up and out into something greater. Cool, huh? What's another thing that's a mantra that you do all the time without even calling it a mantra? Breathing. Your breath is a mantra. Your breath is a call to action. Your breath every time you inhale and exhale is a whisper of I love you. What happens when you freak your shit out? Right? What? What? hap Right. What? Yeah. What happens when you're stressed out? Faster. faster. Faster, Or sometimes people hold it too. Mm -hmm. What happens when you are um, angry? Other than steam coming out of your ears, what happens? You grit your teeth, your body clenches, you hold your breath. Right? What happens when you're happy? At ease? In Shavasana? Just finished a really challenging, moving meditation of yoga. Everything flows, and you're just breathing, and your diaphragm is working, and your body comes into homeostasis. Your breath is one of your magical mantras that sometimes we don't even, like, acknowledge. And we misuse it. We kind of abuse it. Uh, another thing that I have here for mantra meditation, if you want to kind of, like, look it up, is the Gayatri mantra or the Shantipat. Uh, as I said, these come from Upanishads, so this is from the Kata Upanishad. Upanishads are beautiful stories, beautiful lessons. I highly recommend you kind of read them as if you're reading an Aesop's fable and just kind of dive into them and, and and keep studying them. And there's books that are really tiny on it and there's books that are huge on it that, you know, and one might confuse you and the other one might make sense. So find uh, one to start with and just see. But <clears throat> the... Uh, Bhagavad Gita is the translated as the song of God, and so you have to read that for teacher training, right? Um, Bhagavad, Gita? No. The sutras. Not the Bhagavad Gita? Yeah, I'll be teaching you all the sutras, but who yeah. it, you're not they didn't have that on your reading list? No. Okay, hello <laughs> On your reading list should be light on yoga. I don't know. I think they took it off light on yoga and the Bhagavad Gita. And you can email me and I will send you a, the link to the uh, Bhagavad Gita that is a fantastic one to understand. It's why we do so many things that we do in yoga. Is the translation by somebody in particular? Mm-hmm. Stephen, I, I can't remember his last name because I'm getting old Mhm. That's why if you email me, I'll send you a link. Okay. hmm The the Bhagavad Gita is beautiful. Uh, Another thing I put on there for mantra meditation is the Ashtanga practice, the opening and closing chant and invocation. Invocations are beautiful. Before we leave today, I would love to sing the Shantipat, and I would love to do Om as one of our practices. To experience uh, mantra meditation, if you're all cool with that. So you have to keep me accountable to it, okay? Um, another thing here on your list is transcendental meditation, and this is, um, as I say, it Oprah, Hugh Jackman, Jerry Seinfeld, a lot of celebrities do this kind of meditation, and the goal of transcendental meditation is to transcend thought and reach a state of deep deep brainwave coherence. That's the goal of every meditation. So it's just a different style. And um, on the list of um, meditation centers in Minneapolis, I've listed all of these different places so that you can find them. Uh, there's also like religious things. Sometimes um, there are uh, uh, Christians, Catholicism. There's lots of um, religious schools of thought that kind of freak out and think that yoga is um, Uh, Because it's a Hindu, comes from a Hindu and Eastern philosophy. They think it might be, excuse me if I'm offending anybody, the devil's work. So that's really important to know that there are, for your particular faith, ways of doing meditation. Hmm? And it's... um, For people who are really religious, it's a structured attempt to become aware of and reflect on the reflections of God in a way that's comfortable for them, but it's still mindful meditation. Same thing, there's also yoga um, for specifically religious groups because it makes them feel more comfortable following yoga in their tradition and saying their philosophies and stuff like that. And once again, there's no right, there's no wrong. You just have to do what resonates with you and find your path, right? Then we also have moving meditations, which I actually um, taught a a tech on that um, for all of you. But it's uh, yoga is a moving meditation. Uh, um, uh, It's flowing with breath. Qigong, Tai Chi, more holistic systems of coordinating body posture and movement. Um, Tai Chi is almost like a Chinese martial art. And all of these things of moving meditations have a really good health benefit. There's a walking meditation. So I'd like to do a walking meditation today too. So we've got the Shantipat, the Om, and a walking meditation I'd like you to try. There's um, breath ratios. So... Breathing practices are huge ways to practice meditation Uh, and breathing sensations. Not just, just having specific breath ratios, but to breathe sensations and have it be like a yoga nidra or a chakra class where you're actually specifically focusing your breath on specific chakras. That's kind of cool. Then I gave you a sheet on page three of famous meditation teachers that you might want to read their books. And I literally could have written 20 pages of good meditation teachers who have books. But I highly recommend that you kind of go through that list and maybe even Google it. Uh, different people's names and see if something resonates with you. There's a guy named Dan Harris on this list. He's e- actually teaching and has become very famous because um, he's like kind of like a Wall Streety kind of business Forbes Fortune 500 kind of dude. And he's wrote a book on mindfulness. And he even has like Congress and Senate meditating, um, but it's more for business people. You know, at Google they meditate. And there's a famous meditation instructor there, you know, who's got a whole special name for himself and has written books and different practices. Um, John Kabat-Zinn has a program called Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction that is all, um, uh, it's MBSR, but that's a um, great book that he wrote called The Full Catastrophe Living which is fantastic. And I highly recommend you take like MBSR. You can take it at the Center for Spirituality and Healing. There's lots of different places you can take it on. Uh, but if you read the book, you can get a good understanding of it. It's a great way. They're using it um, um, to heal people who are suffering um, from uh, dis-ease and chronic uh, health issues. They teach it to people at the VA. I mean, it's amazing to see the benefits from it. Uh, Obviously, the Dalai Lama, um, a famous uh, yogi Pema Chodron, uh, not yogi, sorry, but a famous um, Tibetan woman, Pema Chodron. Um, I've studied with Roshi Joan Halifax. She's another really well-known Buddhist um, monk and uh, very um, uh, well-published. She's got great stuff, and there's something that she runs that, like, famous people like Jane Fonda have given money to create this place called the Ubaya Zen Center. And you can get Dana, D A N A, you can get literally like scholarships or donations to be able to go there and study and meditate and learn with them. It's very cool. You just have to like balance it out and work in the kitchens and different things like that. I did that once, but. You're in Santa Fe and every moment is different because the light is so beautiful. So that would be like, it could be like a meditation retreat. Uh, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, very, very famous uh, yogi, and and not yogi, but very famous um, meditation teacher and uh, amazing human being. He has something called the Plum Village. I think it's in like France. But there's lots of good things um, online from him. Uh, Deepak Chopra, someone you've heard his name, Jack Kornfield, um, Sharon Salzberg. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, even Eckhart Tolle, I think of that how you pronounce it, but he's considered to be a meditation or mindfulness teacher. There's lots of people, Um, my friend Michael Stone, who just passed away um, at 42, which is really sad, but he's a really um, well-known, well-published mindfulness and Buddhist meditation teacher. Uh, I highly recommend looking at his iTunes podcasts. Really, really brilliant young man who died way too soon before his time. Links to meditation centers in Minneapolis is the next thing. Uh, It goes from um, different communities to uh, Buddhist, to Zen, to uh, uh, um, transcendental meditation places. And they're all really great ways to find um, the contemplative arts. So I don't want you to feel that One size fits all, just like yoga. There's so many different styles of yoga. There's so many different styles of meditation. We can take a breath and send love and light to whatever's going on out there. Um, The internet is a great resource, and so I also gave you um, online information for meditations. Um, There's some great schools and great famous organizations. On the next page, Kripalu, Omega, and Naropa. Some of those are universities. Some of those are just retreat places where you can not only go study, but they have online things. So I gave you a bunch of stuff for online. That doesn't mean you have to pay money. They're free, right? And there's famous people who are initiating new ones, like every day. So Mia, um, and then in turn, they're initiating apps. Obviously, Super Stretch is a mindfulness program and a top health and wellness app, Super Stretch Yoga. But I gave you a list of other ones. Insight Timer, those of you who do meditate and want to join a community and want to have meditations and want to have different ways to uh, be accountable, you literally—it's an app that times you. It's beautiful, and then you can um, log different things. You can do visualizations. You can do sound bath. And you can do um, uh, uh, just a body scan, like a yoga nidra. You can do uh, waves in the ocean. But you can pick different kinds of meditations to try. You can join inside of the app meditation communities. But like. That Insight Timer, I mean, that's like every morning I just have my set for what I want to do it, and and it's just great, and you don't have to worry about anything else, and just this plug and go. So I highly recommend you get that as an app. Um, there's also the Headspace app, Happify, Joyable, Om. Um, uh, Vana, um, smiling mind. I'm telling you, there are so many cool things out there. We live in a um, a virtual digital world. Join. It's amazing. I know people who've gotten married because they've met on Insight Timer uh-huh. from different countries. But you can show where you live. You know, you can join different groups, and then you can talk to people if you want to. Cute little messages that say thank you for meditating with me. Mm-hmm. But, From people? Yeah, I mean you just, yeah, they'll just mm-hmm. send you a little notification, thanks for meditating. So cool. And it's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fantastic. Then your next page that you have is the benefits mm-hmm. of meditation. Boy, meditation is pretty amazing. Um, It allows you to practice something without overwhelming you. It allows you to do something and enjoy and not stress because there is no right way to meditate. You're just breathing. So I gave a list um, of some of the benefits that meditation has proven to be effective in supporting. Um... It helps people who are healthy or people who are suffering from different things like routine stress or clinical issues, right? So it helps people with disorders that um, might be or include anxiety, depression, insomnia, cancer, and chronic pain. Especially with that MBSR, there's tons of cool research now showing how the benefits are so incredible. But you can dial down the chaos of life and your monthly mind simply by being present. And then in turn, you get your superpowers of zooming in, which gives you focus. Zooming out, which gives you perspective. Taking that purposeful pause in your day to change the channel allows you to find, and then I bullet pointed a bunch of stuff, success, well-being, connectedness, empathy, um, better relationships. You're using your brain more because you're finding more creativity and space for memory. When you breathe, did you know your body uses over 20% of the oxygen that goes through it for your, just your brain? So if you breathe deeper and find a really cathartic diaphragmatic breath, you're going to get smarter just because you're offering more nutrition and more oxygen to your brain. Uh, your immune system gets um, it boosted and your immune function gets better. Um, it decreases pain and inflammation, so it helps your health. Uh, stress and anxiety Meditation mitigates the effects of fight or flight response, decreasing the production of stress hormones such as cortisol and adrenaline. That's huge. If you can get your amygdala to stop firing or a student's amygdala to stop firing and put you into a state of fight or flight or get you out of the animal brain and put you into a state of bliss because serotonin is moving through your body, That happy hormone and all the other hormones that you get, like people will like drink wine or have chocolate or have turkey on Thanksgiving and it gives you tryptophan. That same thing happens just by practicing meditation. That's freaking cool. That you don't need to take a pill or to self-medicate to find ease in your life, but you can actually create serotonin and create more connections and a more integrated whole person just by practicing meditation. Um, in turn, it, um, that efficient oxygen use from the body that I was telling you about, it helps you to increase the production of the anti-aging hormone, DHEA. That's cool, right? I'm an old. When you practice yoga, remember that yogis don't count our lives by the number of years. Yogis count their life by the number of breaths. Because we're producing this awesome anti-aging hormone, DHEA. Look at I know people who buy creams that are like frickin' 300 bucks, and they have like ground up like crystals and diamonds and stones. And like, I don't know, I saw some weird one on the internet the other day that had like some animal semen in it. You know, it's like, ew. <laughs> <"Ugh,"> right? <laughs> like, ew. Seriously, I don't, I mean, you can't make this up. And it's like... <laughs> I would so much rather, like, meditate to get that D-H-E-A than put someone's splooge on my face. Uh, So, unless I actually init- initiate that relationship, no. Right? It's true. Yeah. Seriously. But it has you, sl- yoga helps you to sleep better, um, and, or, or the um, meditation practices help you sleep better. And they give you a greater understanding of your intuitive powers. So it improves the ability to concentrate. Um, The intuitive powers that we get when we practice yoga, you'll study with me when we talk about the Yoga Sutras book three and four, but you start to get, because you're a siddha, you're a superhero, you start to get these incredible superpowers. And what happens is, It allows you to really be present to your intuition. So we have how many senses? Right? So we have five senses, like touch, taste, smell, all of that good stuff. But when you practice yoga, you start to get this higher state of consciousness, right? This higher, more intuitive thing where you might know someone's going to walk into the room before they walk into the room you know or you might know that something's going to happen because you intuitively can like feel it, you can sense it, right? You know as easy as like oh someone's going to call me today, you just know it before you pick up the phone. But that kind of stuff starts happening more often when you really tune in to your essence, to your divine power. That's meditation. That's one of the superpowers you get simply from meditating and breathing. Um, your happiness. A lot of people who are suffering from depression or a lot of stress in our culture, you get happier. Which is great to teach kids, right? Because we're already overtaxing them and overpowering them with so much stuff to do. It's the same stuff that happens um, with adults. So if we started people at a really young age on this path, it would be a pretty cool place. That radical kindness, that radical compassion, that Um, meditation offers you. It boosts your social life because you feel more connected to others. Do you know what yogis call a community? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A sangha, a community. So when you start to create this, like, community of like-minded individuals, you feel a deeper sense of purpose. You feel like you can go out there and then all of a sudden take this purpose and create an attitude of gratitude so that what you do in your meditation practice then becomes, like, I'm going to start raising money for blah, 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 or I'm going to start, like, supporting a community that I'm really into. Like, um, I'm going to teach yoga around a McDonald's house, right? Right? That's what starts to happen when you have this um, sense of purpose and you don't feel so solitary and isolated. And um, technology in our life right now, my phone beeps my, uh, uh, on my arm, you know, because it's now a watch. Um, I see seven screens during the day. I see a computer screen. I see the screen on my um, car. I see a TV screen. Like, think of all the things we get bombarded with. We don't even have to frickin' talk to a person when we go into, like, Target. Because we literally can check out by screen. And pretty soon we'll be microchipped and then we won't have to, like, talk to anybody for sure. We'll just walk through and we'll get registered all up and they will be debited away in the air. So interaction and community is a huge thing that has a benefit of meditation. What I think is really interesting is that the idea of self-control and self-awareness. You become more proactive versus reactive. That's on underneath the benefits. I'm just adding in just words. So. When you are more proactive versus reactive, you're able to navigate life's challenging circumstances because you have that equanimity with your brain that you've created through your meditation. And then it allows you to um, regulate your emotions. They're even teaching pro athletes, elite athletes, how to have more resiliency and resiliency training through meditation. Another thing that allows you to change your brain for the better is your gray matter um, gets increased. They used to think that we didn't have like neuroplasticity and we couldn't change, you know, like that saying you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Well, some people can't, so don't try to do that. It'll be like knocking your head on concrete. But um there is the ability to change if you want to, right? If you work at it. Human beings are incredible, we're, we're resourceful, we have the ability to transform, we have the ability to evolve. In yoga, we have the ability to rewrite our autobiography. So physically, neurologically, we can change. But we have to do the hard work. And meditation is a huge part of the practice. I know people through the physical practice of yoga who are bow-legged who aren't bow-legged anymore. I knew people who through the physical practice of yoga had diabetes and they were able to stop taking their meds because their body found balance and was self-regulated through the practice. You can also do that through meditation. And remember, yogis don't talk about the physical that much, especially in the yoga sutras. It's more about getting your tush to the kush and meditating. The physical stuff isn't the practice. We're ultimately trying to be mindful meditators so that we can be mindful human beings off the mat, And then the merits of our practice can benefit all beings, and one of them being ourselves, because our brain gets um, able to uh, increase, like it says here, the... um, cortical thickness in areas related to paying attention. One of the reasons meditation is becoming so huge in um, like, businesses is because on the next page it says it helps you with your productivity. <coughs> Multitasking, memory, focus, and attention. And to think outside of the box is a huge thing too. And as yogis, we learn through the wisdom practice that if there's a wall in front of us and someone says no, we don't see it as a wall. If it's something you're passionate about and you believe in it and you think that you can make this actually happen, go around the wall. Go over the wall. Go under the wall. Get your yogi superpowers and walk through the wall because you're as light as cotton. But that's a cool thing about um, uh, the productivity aspect is when you think outside the box, I mean, how would have Steve Jobs been able to have created this incredible thing called that Apple and the, you know the computer uh, that all this technology that we use, right? He was a huge meditator. He was also a huge asshole, right but His meditation practice allowed him to really do creative, amazing things. He just didn't take it far enough to be a nice human. But he did cool stuff. So, I almost said something really inappropriate. Um, When it makes you wiser, by observing your mind, it says here, you realize you don't have to be a slave to it. So you can see our mind is like a little child sometimes, or an adult represses their emotions, but they still do the shit that I'm going to say out loud, where we kind of get grumpy, jealous, happy, sad, have tantrums, all these different things. To me, meditation is almost like mental hygiene or dental floss. We're flossing our brain, right? We're clearing out the stuff. We're opening up to our talents. We're finding, we're showering and cleaning ourselves, Right? And that is uh, um, called what? Niyama? To be clean. Oh, very good. Okay, I was very proud. That was a proud moment for you all. But that idea of that you're cl- showering your mind right? You're cleaning out from the inside out. And as a consequence, you'll feel clearer and you'll see things with a greater perspective so that you've settled and anchored in your truth. And then all the other stuff is what we as yogis call effortless effort, right? It's that balance of Sukha, It's that balance of steadiness and ease. It's where you really find your flow right have you ever heard someone say I'm in the zone right mm-hmm. it's a, kind of like an athlete thing or like but there's like you know like when you have that effortless effort and everything just flows and it's so harmonious and it's just like whoa did two hours just fly by you know not oh my god I gotta catch up and time flies and I have to go to this meeting and oh, I need more hours in the day to be able to accomplish x y and z but when you're in the zone because that effortless effort allows you to just get it done, and it just flows out. That's what yoga is, as it keeps you real and authentic, and it allows you, most importantly, there's a word in Sanskrit that comes from the Ashtanga invocation, um, where it goes samsara, samskara, Hala, hala, moha, shantie. Samskaras are the broken records. Those thoughts, those things that give you your mind drama. Oh, he likes me. Oh, he doesn't like me. Oh, she likes me. Oh, she doesn't like me. Oh, I can't wear this. It doesn't look good on me. Or, Oh, I feel bad about this. And you get, you know, you just get caught up in, Oh, I can't eat this because society tells me that's a bad food to eat. Or like, Oh, my child this. Or, Oh, my partner this. Or, you know, you just get caught up in these mini dramas, these stories, and you can live by them. But samskara, halahala, mohashantiye, it means you get out of the broken records because halahala, they're poison. They're going to... Fuck you up. <laughs> right? You know, and that's when people come to you because they like need to go to a therapist to like get their head on straight because of some like traumatic thing that happened to them when they were like two years old, or five years old, or ten years old, or nineteen years old, right? And you can live by that drama, you can live by that story, or samskara, hala hala, moha shanti, you are going to find freedom. Moha shantie is similar to the word moksha. You're gonna be able to like really open up and blossom because you're letting go of these little mini dramas and you're allowing yourself to be more compassionate to yourself and to others. And you're not going to live by the stories anymore because you're a meditator and you're able to really find your freedom and your ease. So the last things that I have for you on these pages it um, are just different ways to find effective tools to harmonize your emotional self. The final page I gave you is a story outline and themes to create your own meditation literally, like how to create a meditation, whether it's for a child or an adult. And then the second to last page is that it says, like, why or how to meditate. When you dial down the chaos of your life and your monkey mind and your dramas and you allow yourself to be present, you get to come into closer contact with yourself. And in turn, there's a um, word in Sanskrit called prajna, which I define there, the highest and purest form of wisdom, intelligence, and understanding. This stuff is already within you, right? Because you are the guru. The teacher, they might be a teacher or I would say more of an inspiration or a guide. But guru, the word guru means out of the darkness and into the light. So that means you just got your veils on. You just have like, you know, something clouding your judgment. But you already have that lightness, that prajna, that wisdom within it's the practice that you really need to um, let go of these unconsciously held obstructions and energetic blockages. I always think that yoga or meditation or like the idea of yoga sutras was created by someone who was like a psychoanalyst or a therapist, but just didn't have a name for it. Right? Yes, (laughs) Because like, Seriously, oh, if I release these obstructions or blockages or these dramas because I meditate or I have a moving meditation practice or I like listening to sound and that's my, those binarial beats or that singing bowl has allowed me to ground down. You just did your own therapy for free. You screwed your head on straight or you rightened it out. Find your balance doesn't mean that you're not going to have this thing, but this thing becomes smaller and smaller because you've learned tools and put tools in your toolkit to stay more stable. So when you meditate, it's simply breathing and being and it helps you go to a pleasant state where time and space seem to lose their boundaries. You are simply concentrating on a single thing and your breath is your anchor. That conscious active breath in all of these disciplines that I kind of talked about and all the things that you look on on the internet, it's your breath that is the grounding thing. Your magic word as a yoga teacher is breathe. The game that we're playing is breathing. That's it. And then in turn, you have no desire, no turmoil, no past, no future. You're just content in this present moment. And another myth as I said, of like, oh, I have to sit in lotus pose or I need to have a robe or I need to, like, stop thinking and I'm not doing it right because I'm not thinking. It doesn't have to feel a particular way. You can think. If you've got a thought and it won't go away, dive into the thought and then dive deeper into the thought until the thought starts to dissolve. And then you bring your attention to the sensations of breathing in and out, and all of that distraction just kind of lets go because you're focusing on this deep conscious active breath, this diaphragmatic breath. Um, When you turn the page, remember that happiness is your birthright. So when you're creating visualization and storytelling, you're just allowing people to feel centered. So I gave you a little bit of an outline to create a, a story guide to kind of give yourself an opportunity to create ease, right? To allow positivity to enter your brain without overwhelming and making it, someone feel that they aren't capable. So you can follow a script like that or kind of change the script to what you want it to be. I did have a homework question in here, but I'm wondering where I put it. Um, And then your homework question is, um, on that last thing, what would be some themes to use for a meditation or a guided meditation? Because especially in yoga, we don't often have people just sit there and set a timer unless it's a more advanced practice. You as teachers more are guides and kind of have to set the path for people. So your homework or your thoughts to think about is how to get people more physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually grounded through breath. But what would be a theme that you could have for the intention of your meditation? So that could be your homework. If you want homework, if you don't journal or don't want homework, you could say, oh, screw that. Cool. We're trying to get through meditation um, to kind of calm down and keep up and kind of chill out during our fast-paced life, our very modern society, right? And because there are only 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, sometimes it seems like we don't get enough done, we don't um, have time for ourselves, but if we can relax and rejuvenate our mind and our souls through meditation practices, the world doesn't seem like it's like we're little hamsters on a little habit trail, I think, or whatever you call that shit. I don't. know What's called? What's the hamster thing called? Yeah, wheel trail or a wheel. Oh, a wheel. It is a habit trail. A, a weevil. Wheel, wheel, wheel. Yeah. A wheel. There you go. Thank you we're allowing ourselves to enjoy and not get stressed out because this is such an effective tool to find harmony. So what I would like to do is to, um, in the last couple minutes that we're here together, is I would like to um, do a walking meditation, right? Teach you the shantipat and end with om. And then we've effectively done everything, okay? So it seems kind of interesting, but we're just gonna stand up. And just to make this more effective, and sometimes when we do walking meditations, like if you go to a meditation center in town, like a Targar or Common Grounds or something like that, they'll do a walking meditation, they just let everybody go in whatever direction they want to. But I don't really wanna do that because um, I want you to allow yourself to um, <laughs> not bump into each other, okay? So, this is kind of how we do a walking meditation. You're going to walk like your feet are kissing the earth, which is a Thich Nhat Hanh saying, okay? You inhale and step up, and you exhale, heel to toe. Inhale, step up with the other foot. Exhale, heel to toe. It's almost like um, when Native American Indians were walking through the forest and they didn't want their footprints to be seen. It's very much like this. It was very ordinary. I'm moving my feet this way. But the other thing that we're going to do, do you guys feel like light just by doing that? Okay, you're going to take and bring your hands on top of each other. So you can have the masculine hand on top or the feminine hand on top. It just depends on what you would like to do and then you touch your thumbs together. So this is a mudra. And you place your hand right below the belly button so that your elbows are kind of near your ribs and your shoulders are back. So we're in a mindful space, yeah? All right. As we breathe, we're gonna walk in a circle so that we don't hit each other. So we have our circle, just turn to your right and then begin. open, and you're creating space. Inhale, your foot goes up. Exhale, your foot slowly lands, heel to toe. Find the resiliency of the practice, and for the next minute, we're not going to do this for long. We're just going to breathe. with this simple awareness and just slow and steady walk your way back to your mat I might have exaggerated my steps when I showed them to you but you're just walking normal and as you make your way back to your mat as you take and grab onto your block, and we keep that mindfulness of the breathing that we found, take and bring your block so that this is skyscraper, this is horizontal, which is your um, uh, a colonial kind of, and you're gonna hold it so that it goes underneath your ischial tuberosities, the bony parts of your butt, and you sit on it. Your knees are forward and your feet are back, so you're sitting in hero's pose. And is this uncomfortable for anybody's knees? Do you need an extra block? Yep. <laughs> if you need an extra block, go for it. Uh, you could also use your cushion, whatever feels good. Oh, okay. And you have your cushion look like a penis, and you um, have the ta- have it like a tail so that you can sit on it. And then you put the block over it so you can sit on that. This pose, hero's pose, is a regal pose, a Raja pose. Where is that comfortable? Okay, you just want to make sure that you, if you sway from side to side, it keeps you stable. This is a seat of a, of a yogi where you're sitting on the block because now you have your knees in a comfortable position, your hero's pose. Another way to sit for meditation is to bring your heels into Sukhasana, your, right, your left heel and then your right heel in front, so your hips are higher than your knees and your hips are propped up. And then your pelvic bowl is in a comfortable position so that you're not dumping out too much energy, but you're not holding things in and being constipated, but your pubic bone and tailbone are in a comfortable alignment so that you could sit for a long time. Your hands go on to your knee, your thigh region. And just like when we were walking with our thumbs touching and our fingers connected and near the belly button. What we're doing here is when our hands are to the legs, it helps to support our spine. Yogis call their spine the rod or the staff, right? The hara line, the golden line. So we're trying to come into alignment. And with this alignment, we have freedom. And with this alignment, our nadis and our chakras and our little flowing rivers of energy are nice and open. And here we are as we sit. Automatically, you sense your shoulders are open, your collarbones are broad, your sternum is high, and you find space. Now, all we're going to do is we're going to do a mantra practice of the Shantipat. So I'll say it out loud first. It goes Sahana Vavatu, Sahana Bonaktu, Sahaviryam Karavavahai, Teja Spinam Vati Tamastu. Mavid Vishabhain. Ready? So we sing it. So it has a little bit of a melody. And it goes, Sahana <laughs> Vavatu. And then you can repeat with me, right? Sahana Vavatu. Sahanaobonaktu. bonaktu. Sahavir viryam Karavava, Hai viryam Yum, Tejasvinam, Tejasvinam. Tejas Pinam, Tejas binam. Vati Tamas
1: Vati Tamas
0: Mavid Mavid Vishavahai. Shabhai Om. Om Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti Shanti, 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 shanti. Om No one grew horns on their head from chanting? Everybody's okay? Okay, last thing we're going to do together as a group before we go off into our merry way is to find Aum. Ah, is here in the mula, in the root box, right? In the mula, uh, mula, mula dara chakra, okay? That grounding, that survival, that feeling comfortable in your anchor, right? The ooh is in that more of the diaphragm region, the solar plexus region where the sun comes from. Solar <coughs> plexus, right? Ah, ooh, mm, is like in your heart. And it's like that Campbell's Soup mm-mm good where you really like let it happen. <laughs> yeah. And then the space, after is where everything rises and it hits the Aj- Ajna, uh, Ajna Chakra, right? Um, and it hits in the space between third eyes where everything lights up and creates the thousand petal lotus flower. Mm. Ah, hmm. Oh, I, lo- I forgot one. Ah, hmm. No, I did it again. I really am hungry. Sorry. So I'm thinking Campbell's Soup, right? (laughs) Campbell's Soup. Okay. Ah, ooh, mm. And then you create space. And like incense, that's also that idea of burning off. So you're burning off the obstacles, the energetic blockages, so that you can reside in your authenticity. If you want to, you can find your jnana mudra, thumb and index finger t- touching. If you want to and you just let your palms face down, it's like you're circulating energy through you. If your palms face up, you're drawing in what your body needs at that moment. Yeah? Awesome. I'll try it again. Ah. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Uh, Another thing if you would like to, which has an energetic effect on your body, is after you do that, take your tongue and touch it to the top of your mouth. And just sit within the calm abiding. So we'll do it three times, and after that third time, we'll let ourselves really feel it. Are you ready? So let all the air out, feeling ease and compassion. Inhale, breathe in. And all together. Ah. Begin to softly take your hands in front of your forehead for right thought, your hands in front of your mouth for right speech, and your hands in front of your heart for right action. And you all are going to be incredible, incredible teachers and beacons of bright light. May the merits of your practice benefit all beings. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.